Hello, um, welcome listeners to episode number 26 of the Making Sense of podcast. We're actually um, <clears throat> taking a little detour today from my little mini series on addiction. Um, but what we wanted to talk about today still has huge relevance to the topic, um, as will hopefully become clear through the course of the discussion over the next hour or so. Um, hopefully listeners and people who know our work also realize that actually, you know, we talk about addiction and lots of other things and they're all really interconnected. So, um, yeah, just a little uh, thing to say before we carry on. Um, and actually, before we really get into the topic, I wanted to say that I'm joined by a small intimate group here today, joined by Antonia and Tonya. Hello. The other three are in group today, aren't they? they are on one of our courses um so it's just us so yeah so making sense of spirituality so this is a word that we hear come up in various guises in our work sometimes hear people talking about this uh a spiritual void with drugs and alcohol uh, and other things as well whether that be gambling or shopping or sex or whatever but i think one of the things that you sometimes hear when people talk about addiction is that the substances as well as helping to numb emotional pain are also helping to kind of feel this emptiness that a lot of people felt, um, you know, various parts of their lives. Um, I think the other thing is that we hear people wanting to explore spirituality and recovery. Um, I guess for some people, when they've had a real brush with their own mortality, I feel like it wants, it's a bit of a catalyst to make them um, want to explore something deeper or something more meaningful um and yeah i guess we see that a lot but i think quite often people are not really sure where to look um because it can be a bit scary which connects me to my next point is that i think in some ways the word spirituality has become really loaded in recent times i think it's become really hijacked by certain groups and so i think a lot of people feel that to, to be spiritual means that you have to wear white and you know wear prayer beads and and wave crystals around and <laughs> sprinkle holy water about and go around saying namaste um anyway so we thought we would have a go at shedding some light on the topic ourselves um just between the three of us um and i guess a good place to start is asking all of us um you two what does spirituality mean to you and i'll answer as best as i can afterwards I think it's, um, I'm quite scared of the word spirituality because I always think of it as organized religion in disguise. Mm. So if someone uh, says, are you spiritual? I automatically think and that's like a sneaky way of asking me if I believe in God. Mm. Um, I don't know whether that's because I grew up Catholic. It's some kind of like catholic trauma because i don't i always think of myself as an atheist so any kind of like spirituality i'm very weary of so i don't really know what it means to me i'm interested in it and i don't i don't i don't know whether i believe that there's anything out there like a higher power that i've been told of in meetings but i don't know it's complicated mm -hmm. yeah it's complicated to me it is it's really interesting you saying that because I'm Catholic as well and was brought up Catholic. And um, for me, like the Catholic side was kind of really um, rigid and, you know, prayers and, you know, praying to God and stuff like that. And spirituality, um, 
thinking about it for me, knowing about more about it kind of now what I make sense of what it is, is actually nicer than kind of the Catholic side because it's more of a sense of um, myself, maybe kind of it, it kind of took that away. But I never actually thought about that until you just mentioned that and linked that in. Um, and for me, I think I kind of, when I, I kind of got into The Secret, a book called The Secret, which is about um, your thoughts and what you think and the frequency that you put out there. And I kind of thought that's what spirituality was. But thinking about it, it's, it kind of links for me, but it's a sense of calm, of knowing that things will be all right. And I kind of think there is a higher power, not a God, but there's a sense of a calm can ascend over me if I kind of get into that spirituality state. Do you think it's just a state or is it like an ongoing kind of practice? I think an ongoing practice for myself because um, it would be kind of, you know, reflecting and being aware of oneself yeah. as well, you know. So I'd, I'd say for me, ongoing, it's, it's not a, an ascended state and you're just there. Yeah, yeah. Sounds nice, but I think it's that. Um, I feel like there's a joke in here somewhere, like there was a Catholic and a Hindu and another Catholic. <laughs> Walked into a bar. <laughs> um, was what up, Hindu? I'm not Hindu now. Um, yeah, just, just kind of picking up on, on some of those points, actually, it's interesting because I feel like feel like when I used to, in my, my days of dating and Tinder and stuff, like I'm sure one of the categories was spiritual, not religious. Yes. Like in the kind of <laughs> house. And I feel like, you know, I, I think that, yeah, I feel like the word has kind of now become its own distinct group. So it's like, you're not religious and you're not, not religious and not spiritual, but you're spiritual, not religious, if that makes sense. <laughs> like it's like... <laughs> Like it's got its own category now. Doesn't cross over. Yeah, I just think it's interesting yeah. that it's come to like dating apps and kind of like something that's like in the common vernacular, like how, yeah, it's kind of commonly understood as, um, I mean, if it's there, it's something that people obviously identify with in some way. I always avoid those guys that describe themselves as spiritual. Yeah, because I think they're going to like, you know, try and like, I don't know, meditate with me or something. And I'm like, no. <laughs> I'm very weary of it. I've just discovered that. I've just noticed how weary I am of any kind of like religion, spirituality, anything. <laughs> That's why you keep dating really shit guys. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, what does it mean to me? I mean, so I've, I feel like I've, this question I pondered quite a while back and I, and I remember like from quite an early not so early, but I remember kind of earlyish age thinking that spirituality to me means, sounds obvious in some ways, but like connecting to my spirit. And I remember thinking like, okay, but what is my spirit? And I would define that as my spirit. And in a way, Tony, I think you touched on some of this. Like it's like the thing which moves you, like my spirit is a thing that's inside and it's a thing which kind of drives me to do certain things and... um yeah, I think it's like, it's connecting, spirituality to me is like 
trying to get under all of these layers of stuff that buries this spirit this you know and i guess maybe you could talk about it as like a connection to yourself and um, quite often one of the things that we lose whether through addiction or whether through you know just being alive in the world i think we quite often lose ourself and so spirituality to me is kind of like yeah practices which could be different things it could be like meditation it could be yoga but it could be yeah more kind of simple things like taking a walk in the park and realizing that you feel really invigorated and to me that's like god i feel like i'm going to start sounding like a real hippie to me that's your spirit talking <laughs> yeah no i i can i i kind of agree i agree with that because you can feel it you know it is it's, it's it's kind of listening to your body and and listening and hearing and feeling them effects and i think you know that's when when you're when you're in that kind of moment and and it's like going for a walk and feeling that you can for me like you can really feel it inside like near my heart so that must be near my spirit I'm assuming and you know so it's really connecting and allowing that even if it feels weird because it does feel weird when you know if you're not used to that connection and listening and hearing and going with it it's weird but I think um, when you do the feeling is really uplifting in your spirit why why do you think it's weird is that because people um depends what relationship you've had with yourself and your body and your you know just i think it can it just depends on the individual and and you like how you are for, for me myself kind of um before i'm really rushy haven't got time to listen to my body they're just reactions that go with the day but actually slowing down and you know sort of um just listening and feeling and knowing that it's not coming from just the outer shell it's actually coming from a deeper mm. deeper self and i think when people you know they have had addiction for so long they have lost that connection to their mind and their body um but yeah like listening to you both speak i suppose it is like a connection to your your deeper inner self that's like it sound that sounds really hippie-ish but it's true like especially even you know people that don't go through addiction we're so busy rushing around looking at our phones on computers um you know not really focusing on our own bodies or not feeling what is really in there so it's kind of like that meditation thing like mindfulness mindfulness has become like really popular you know recently you can buy like coloring in books for mindfulness mm. so it's a way of like turning off any thought and just concentrating on one thing mm. I've actually got that app on my phone one of them which oh I, I mean it's interesting this because I was just you know hearing what you said and kind of hearing what I said before and and just this idea of maybe things you know walking in the park and that feeling a bit weird I think that like there's something about we have a, a strange relationship or a difficult relationship to spirituality because of what we were just saying like oh my god i sound like a hippie oh my god i sound like a cliche and it's really sad because i think like those things are blocks which gotta get in the way of us being able to tap into like well what does this mean we we critique it or we judge it before we've even given it a chance to find out what it means to us now, why does it feel so uncomfortable to admit that you want to feel comfortable like in nature it's a normal thing to like be soothed by nature. So why, why do people think, oh my God, no, I can't say that out loud. It makes me sound like a hippie. Because it's 
It's almost a piece of the kind of antithesis, the opposite of like capitalism. Do you know what I mean? So like I think capitalism is all like time is money, you've got to be productive, you've got to have high output, you've got to be achieving stuff. Like if you're some hippie that's just like walking through the park barefoot, you know, having a great time for three hours, like you're not being productive in the eyes of a capitalist. You're the odd one out. Yeah, you, and you're kind of shamed for it and you're shamed for kind of like being some some work shy, kind of lazy, you know, good for nothing hippie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think from now on, we need to just embrace our own inner hippies for the rest of this podcast. Yeah, take off our shoes, walk barefoot. <laughs> yeah, I, th I think, um, you know, yoga is a connection to... Um, connecting with your body and being able to have that spirituality and I think you know working with you Bob and seeing you kind of I, I feel like when I'm around you you have um, a real aura of, of of that you know I just it's like something you have that aura and I feel it kind of oozes out and I can kind of feel that. I don't know if Antonia would kind of agree, but I feel that. And I think that's where you are a yoga master and you really connect yourself to your body and your mind. And it kind of, the way you walk when you sit, it's really, I can kind of see that. I think that you've got a connection to your body. Because mm. you yeah, can well, see. You're zen as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's super zen, isn't he? Uh, but yeah, but also my, my default position is very unzen. Like it's very kind of like generally quite anxious. Not not now so much, but I think like before it was just very anxious, kind of like fight or flight, nervous system, kind of like highly active a lot of the time, which I think is why I gravitated towards yoga and not towards something which is like high intensity or high running you know like we generally gravitate to the things that we need whether that might be a drug at that particular time because we need to feel or not feel uh, pain so we gravitate to something like a you know heroin or a painkiller or something so similarly I think with yoga for me like I feel that a lot of my life was spent being very anxious and so I gravitated to something that was going to kind of really calm me down and to me now, it's been, I don't know, 21 years, I think, of doing yoga. It's a bit like brushing my teeth. Mm. I, mean, I need to do it. It's just like it kind of keeps me alive. I'd be a mess if I, if I didn't do it. Thank God you picked something that wasn't like vodka. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking then. <laughs> power, power training. <laughs> yeah, or even just something like, I don't know, you know, triathlon running and just something kind of really like pushing myself which again is I don't know just wouldn't have been productive not productive is the wrong word it wouldn't have been good for me um yeah I, I think for me a spirituality practice for me is writing stuff down and kind of you know getting I've got a really good book called who am I and it explores so much and it goes really really deep and I find that for me is um a practice of spirituality and being in a moment of feeling myself and moments of kind of been through and stuff. I think that's quite important for me. Yeah, it's, and it's also being with yourself. 
A lot of people find it really hard to be with themselves. There was some something I listened to the other day, and there was this study that showed that out of a group of this is interesting. Actually, I'll say the interesting bit afterwards. I think it was like a group of two thousand people they they surveyed, and something like eighty percent of them said that they would prefer to receive an electric shock rather than sit with their own feelings. My goodness, what that's insane! What study was that? Oh, uh, we'd have to dig it out, and and also guess who the kind of um, who the makeup of the group was. Was it men? Yeah. <laughs> it felt really bad saying that. Yeah, you said it quite quietly. <laughs> really, really good example of men. So you know, and again, it's just like masculinity, or we live in this culture, which is just we we're not taught to sit with our feelings. Yeah, that's mad, because I think the first thing um, you're kind of taught to do when you come into, like, recovery is, yeah, you're going to have to start feeling those feelings again. I suppose if people aren't ever forced to, like, recover from drugs or alcohol, they're still trying to get rid of their emotions using other things that aren't deemed so damaging. Mm -hmm. Wow. Emotions aren't that scary, though. You've just got to get used to them. Yeah, and, and, you know, I think also people feel that emotions, it's, it's interesting, like I hear people say, like, oh, I was really emotional yesterday. And it's like, well, to them, emotional means like sad, depressed, upset. And it's like emotions are a whole range, you know, it's like a whole range of like bliss and, and excitement. And, you know, there's a whole wheel of emotions. But again, you know, I think we we kind of associate with the harder to harder to sit with ones. I've got some um, a couple of things on it to kind of just chuck in here because I thought it was really interesting. So I um, fell down a bit of a spiritual wormhole this morning, um, and one of the things that I I always really like looking at like the kind of origin of words. So I was looking up like the origins of the word spirit. So no surprises comes from Latin. So there's this word spiritus and spiritus means um, soul or like spirari means breathe. And so spirit, spiritus can mean soul, can also mean courage or, or your will, and it can also mean breath. So there's just something about this idea of, you know, connecting to, I mean, we said it, like what's inside your spirit, your soul, like doing things that you know, hippie language, but I'm holding my hands up here to, and embracing it, like, you know, things that nourish your soul and things that nurture your soul. It really is that, though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. So I've always thought that when people say spiritual, I think that they have, like, this higher power. So I think that's why I've kind of felt uncomfortable in, like, AA meetings, because they always say you need to connect to a higher power, that higher power will take anything negative away for you. And that's why I felt uncomfortable because I think, well, I can do that. Like, and I don't need to, anything to be taken away. I can actually cope with it. And that's seen as negative because you're supposed to pray to this higher power and for them to remove defects or, you know, stress or anything that's bad, you pray and it gets taken away for you. I think, oh, that's like I have the power to do that myself. So I think I prefer thinking of spirituality as a connection to myself. Mm-hmm. That's a lot more easier for me to kind of. Yeah. And it's it's um, 
Yeah, I mean, I've always really struggled with that because it's like placing power to something outside of you and, and ignoring or dismissing your own power. Interesting. Like, Sorry, Bob, go on. Well, I was just going to say, like, I was going to just share this, this little story that my mum used to tell us when we were young. So we were brought up, I mean, it's a bit kind of um, confusing to non-Indian people, but um, so we were brought up like Hindu Punjabis. So like that's, which is quite a common thing. So you're kind of, you know, we'd go to Hindu temples, we'd go to Sikh temples and, um, and, you know, there's a lot of kind of external trappings, lots of like worshipping, lots of ceremonies, lots of rituals, like la 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 la. Um, and I remember like from quite a young age, like starting to question, like, what is all this stuff? Like what, you know, what, what are these chants that we're supposed to sing? And what is this like, why are we supposed to light these candles and kind of like, you know, make circles around deity kind of 17 times, whatever it was. Um, and I remember my mom kind of saying, telling me the story and she was saying that she, there was this man who was really, really poor and he wanted to buy an idol to worship, to be a good Hindu, and he couldn't afford to buy an idol. So he got a stone, and so he basically kind of worshipped the stone as if it was an idol. And, you know, all around him were loads of people kind of worshipping these expensive marble, you know, uh, deities and, and statues with, like, expensive, you know, it's a real thing, like, clothing for these idols as well in India, like, really high quality, like, it's another whole industry, sells for loads of money. Um, Anyway, so he was kind of, you know, like praying to this thing and kind of like having deep faith in this thing. And then the story goes that Krishna, so this Hindu god, appeared to him and, and basically kind of said, like, well, you've shown your true faith because, you know, what you've shown is that what's important is what's inside you, not what's these, these external trappings outside. And, you know, I didn't grow up to be religious after that, but like it's just really stayed with me that actually what is inside is the important thing. You know, it doesn't matter you know, growing up as a Sikh and all around me were loads of people who wore turbans, didn't cut their hair. There's these five symbols of Sikhism that you have to show to to show that you're a Sikh. And it's like, well, why should I have to wear certain clothing? Why should I have to cut my hair or not cut my hair? Or why should I have to like do this, you know, ceremony at the temple kind of once a week? That stuff isn't important. That's all outside. What's important is what's inside. The same with Catholicism, though. I find it it's quite um, grand with its statues and its gold and the way people worship and put in the money in the, you know, if you put loads of money into the plate that goes around in mass, you're seen as like a good Catholic. Mm. That, that same kind of, um, like there's a lot of stuff that comes with the Catholic Church. Like people have gold rosaries to show their status and stuff. Mm. Maybe I've always felt uncomfortable with that because it really shouldn't matter about any of that. It's also really ironic because it's like, well, surely this is all material stuff. <laughs> like, are we supposed to be like kind of breaking the relationship we have with these, like this greed and this attachment to like physical objects? So the other thing that I thought was interesting, so after looking up like where the word comes from, the roots of the word, I was looking at what the word refers to in our language. So we've got spirit as like an animating force, which I quite like. It connects to what I was saying earlier. You know, the spirituality is like connecting to the thing that drives you. So I thought this idea of like this force that animates you and, you know, gets you to do things or... Um, not gets you to do things, but I think the thing that drives you or doesn't drive you, I think it's it's important in this context. 
The other thing is the it refers to ghosts. So we talk about like spirits and ghosts. And um, the other thing is it comes up in language to describe mood. Like, oh, he's in good spirits today. Yeah. Um, the other thing I thought, so there's the Holy Spirit. Is the Holy Spirit the same as the Holy Ghost? In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> It's yeah, a, that's a Catholic thing, isn't it? I was just thinking I remember about that religion and Catholic. It's very shameful to Catholic. I suppose lots of like religions are where they can kind of, you know, you don't do it right, you don't pray right, you don't do this way. So you're made to feel really shameful. I suppose the other side of the spirituality can take for me, could take that out. Because you're looking in and not looking at what everyone else is doing. And am I doing the right thing? Or am I, you know, I feel guilty because I used to go to church because I loved the bread. It was so nice. But I used to eat sweets and that was really naughty. And I used to feel like I'm going to go to hell because I was told you couldn't do that before you ate the body of Christ. You know? <laughs> Well, this is, I mean, it's interesting because I feel like that's also relevant as to why um, I think over the time, I, didn't, I did look at the history, but I, I kind of lost track of the time scale. But I think at a certain point in the last couple of centuries, like religion and spirituality did start to take different paths, leading to this kind of new category on Tinder. Um, but I think, uh, you know, but I think for a lot of people, like religion became too um, rigid or too... Yeah, I think I think frameworks are really useful, but I think like I think a lot of religious frameworks maybe start to become too um, I don't know maybe required too much of a leap of faith and and also like look what was happening around the time you know like technological revolution industrial revolution and people starting to and science you know becoming more and more prevalent so I think people are starting to question what was believed for centuries. Yeah, critical um, thinking. Well, you exactly, yeah. So, um, thankfully, um, and then the other thing that I thought was really interesting—you've got to just bear with me on this one. So, the other thing that that spirituality can refer to and spirit can refer to is—can um, you guess? Is it alcohol? Is it yeah, alcohol? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Honestly, this is so 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 basically, it can refer to like volatile liquids, right? So, think about methylated spirits. White spirits, so we've got loads of white spirit in the office because we're refurbing, um, and alcohol. So then I was like looking into like why is why is alcohol why is spirits because it's not all alcohol, is it? It's just like it's liquor. But I was I was trying to kind of understand like why why is it called uh, why is why is that particular kind of alcohol called a spirit? And so there's all these different theories. And one of the theories is that, that like in the Middle East in the kind of, I don't know, 13th century or something, like alchemists were kind of busy trying to kind of get like gold from lead and all that stuff. And one of the things that they managed to do was to distill the essence of, um, of the intoxicating substance from, I'm trying to say it in a really like simple language, like trying to, trying to separate the kind of thing that makes you drunk from all the rest of it. Like the evil stuff that makes you drunk. Yeah, I mean, so basically, so so the process of distillation, it kind of, you know, say for instance, beer or wine, you've got ethanol and you've got the alcohol and it's also mixed with like hops and lots of water and stuff. And so distillation takes that water away and leaves the essence of, of the alcohol, which is, you know, which is the... Yeah. <laughs> 
It's the good like non-alcoholic. <laughs> not the good stuff. I'm joking. Non-alcoholic <laughs> stuff. That's I suppose that's what they do with that. Is it take that out and leave the taste in or something? I don't know. I think that's just a bit of a con to just like technical. Yeah, about non-alcoholic gin for the same price as alcoholic gin. So, so yes. Yeah, so what what it is? So liquor is a, as an alcohol that's, that has the water physically taken out of it through the process of distillation. So the alcohol is condensed down. So in other words, the spirit of the liquor is leaving the lower alcohol-based liquor. I'm reading this out, by the way. Um, the spirit of the liquor is leaving the lower alcohol-based liquid and then coming back down in a purer form to drink. So essentially we're drinking the spirit of fermented liquid, right? Yeah. And what, maybe this is a bit of a kind of like, I don't know, connecting two very broadly spaced dots. But what was interesting to me about that was that it's again like the essence of something within this broader, you know, in this case, liquid. And I think for us, and I think for me, when I think about spirituality, it's about trying to connect to the essence of who we are, but this essence is clouded by lots of other stuff, right? So again, kind of this is a really bad example, but I'm going to say it anyway. So like, you know, cloudy beer <laughs> you know you've got the essence of it which is you've got alcohol in there but then you've also it's also clouded by lots of the other kind of crap in there yeah um and so i think this idea of like um spirituality is connecting to our kind of inner essence but i think that to be spiritual is more than just waving crystals and kind of chanting and stuff like i think actually one of the things that's really important is to try to identify ways to to cut through the crap and get to your essence yeah I know what you mean it's like um you can't just put it on for show and be like oh I'm spiritual because I have these like Buddha tattoos and like I bought these beads and I go on these like five-star holidays to like Tibet you actually have to connect to the actual essence of yourself in the beginning to know even how you express it yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, so it's this idea of kind of like, are we just getting these external things and kind of putting them around our necks and kind of pretending we're spiritual? But so, so to me, this idea of like having to try, you know, how do you cut through the crap to get to your essence? I kind of see that our, the work we do on our courses is very much about that. And I actually think yoga, to me, kind of yoga and, and the work we do are really, really similar because I feel like both of them both of what's involved in both of those things is um this idea of deprogramming yeah so deconditioning so we're kind of born with this essential kind of human nature and as we go through life and certain experiences and you know we're kind of um influenced and shaped by culture and environment and all that stuff like i think our inner essence gets really obscured and hidden and I think the work that we do on our courses is trying to get people to look at that and trying to uncover that and trying to kind of get through to a person's soul or essence through this act of kind of deprogramming. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think that's really true as well. I think, um, you know, when you start the course, you kind of work almost backwards back to your childhood and then you work from your childhood and the second half of course, like back upwards. So you deprogram yourself and then you reprogram yourself with actually who you are. 
And it's that authenticity that you learn at some point during the course to stay connected with. Totally, yeah. You know, we, we named the charity in the way we did very deliberately because we see the work we do as like literally people coming to us with like shoddy foundations that through introducing them to various theories and ideas, like they learn to look at the ground they've walked on their whole lives and literally deconstruct that ground. And at some point, I think it can feel, I don't know, maybe you two can attest to that. It can feel a bit like you're walking on thin air. And that's really scary because what you've been familiar with your whole life has literally been ripped out from beneath you. But then there's that process you just mentioned, Antonio, of like then reconstructing and rebuilding. Yeah, like you, like when you're deconstructing, you're kind of looking at it as well. You're taking it apart and being like, oh, that's why that feels so shit because it's and then you understand it and it's only then when you kind of understood why what you're already on is shit you can begin to at least put in place a better kind of way of building it back without the shit parts yeah mm-hmm. there's something else actually just kind of chuck in because it's relevant there's like another definition of spirituality that i found which is it's a process of reformation spirituality as a as a process of reformation what they're saying is i mean this is you know sexist because it was written a long time ago but recovering the original shape of man in the image of god (laughs) shape of person exactly yeah um so again you know like i i struggled with the idea of god for like years and years and years and years because i didn't get it and i feel like i've kind of you know developed my own understanding of it now but i think it's again this idea of kind of reformation i think is interesting because it's not like we're trying to kind of achieve uh things within us that aren't already there do you know what i mean We're, we're not trying to kind of find things that we never had i think we had these things but it's a process of reconnecting back to those things feeling them things which have always been, you know, they were there when we were kids. Mm. Yeah. And like, naturally, I think they are, they do exist. But like I said, you know, they've been covered up from, you know, through um, trauma and, and difficult life experiences. Yeah. I think for me, one of the things it was like, I've obviously done, um, I've worked for Foundation for Change, but I've done the course. So, I deconstructed and went through that. And I think that one of the biggest things for me and being able to hear myself is just slowing down as well. Slowing your life kind of down, slowing yourself down and then being able to, then you can hear yourself and you can hear what's going on because you're just rushing around sometimes, you know, so yeah, slowing down. Yeah, I was going to ask actually, like what, I mean, in a way you've just said it, but there's there's probably more to say as well. Like what what would you say would be the purpose of the, yeah, I mean, the purpose of being spiritual. What's the point? I think you can live um, a bit more comfortably, not a bit more, but a lot more comfortably. You can kind of learn how to filter a lot of the external crap out of the way and like stay in touch with yourself. And I think when you're living like that, everything just happens a lot more easily. I think once I got kind of sober and learned all this stuff the way I feel and the way I live in the world is yeah it's a lot more peaceful and a lot more soothing so I think that's 
I forgot what you asked me to begin with. I just went off on one. Yeah, I mean, that's that's it. I was asking, like, what's, you know, what's the purpose of, you know, spirituality? And maybe it's like, what role does it play in your life? And what's really interesting is that actually, Antonio, you sound like a very spiritual person, but you avoid these spiritual guys. <laughs> <laughs> that's where I'm going wrong. <laughs> yeah. It is that though, isn't it? It's just li just living with peace and, you know, getting rid of, you know, once you've learned, you know, why you feel so shit and you can kind of like navigate away from feeling like that. Everything just feels a lot better. It fits. Yeah, I'd agree with that. A comfortable feeling like a glove kind of thing. And um, kind of like another one for me would be like knowing, I mean, it's, sounds hippie-ish but knowing like that things will be okay you know things will be okay and even if things don't work out because not everything works out you know then that's okay as well it's not kind of a catastrophe and it's the end of the it's kind of just knowing that yeah, yeah things will be okay even in storms sometimes you know I think that especially over um the um, coronavirus pandemic that we've had or in still you know, definitely, definitely, most definitely helped me through moments of that being kind of, you know, in this and knowing we're kind of waving through it and it's going to be okay. It's emotional resilience, isn't it? It's like that, like you were saying, kind of going through an experience and realising that you're not going to get, like, destroyed by it. Because mm. yeah, that's rigid as, as well. You can go back to kind of core beliefs and your rigidness with you can't make mistakes and that. And that's then again takes the connection of yourself away because you're so busy worrying about how you are, how you're being seen without just being serene within yourself, you know. Sounds great, this spirituality. It's, it's, it's like, it, it is an ongoing, I think. It's not because we live in such a chaotic world sometimes. It's, for me, it, you know, some days it might be hard to walk down the road and be in that place all the time, you know. But that's okay as well. It's not about being in that state, being rigid. It's about being comfortable. And you can't be perfect at everything all the time either. So it's... Yeah. Yeah, I'd like to be able to say, you know, I feel all my emotions now and I'm completely fine with feeling all my emotions, but sometimes stuff feels shit, but it's been able to like not react in a terrible, awful way to those anymore and just literally feel them. It's actually been amazing feeling all the emotions I used to block out. Sometimes they're unpleasant, but that's all they are. They can't actually do anything to me. And yeah, maybe, you know, I'll eat too much cake or something to deal with it, but whatever I'm not perfect but I'm not as destructive as I used to be yeah and this is all the relationship to self stuff isn't it it's like if you have a day where like I sometimes have days where I feel a bit numb or I feel a bit you know I don't know catastrophic in my head than others days other days and it's being able to recognize that and just think like okay it's probably going to go tomorrow after I have a good sleep or whatever I don't have to buy into this stuff like not feeling fright frightened of feeling a certain way like it's okay it's just a feeling for now it's not permanent it's like temporary I think it's interesting as well like again just a personal thing like I remember when I was younger 
and kind of being quite anxious and stuff and just wanting to really understand my anxiety and my pain and and yeah I mean I think in some ways I remember talking about this to someone and and I guess what I did was quite extreme but like I probably he, he this was his words not mine but he said like I chose virtue over vice so I didn't go down the kind of drug and alcohol route but I went to go and live with monks and nuns in the Himalayas <laughs> like a year with no electricity um and heating and stuff and um so I remember at that time, like, I remember feeling like my mind was evil. Like in Buddhism, they talk a lot about the ego. And I felt like my mind was causing me all this strife and this pain. And I felt like I had to, like, literally obliterate my mind. And I felt like I needed to just be like these monks around me, which were just like Zen all the time. And they talk about this thing, equanimity. So equanimity is just like not having, like, peaks of emotion, not having troughs of emotion, just like this kind of line, which is like, oh, I'm just not phased by anything. And the idea of it sounded really alluring to me because like I can't say I really had peaks a lot of the time. It felt like I was just like in troughs <laughs> most of the time. But I remember um, contemplating like whether I wanted to become a monk and because I was practically like living the life of a monk without taking the kind of orders and stuff. And then I just thought like actually no, I want to be in the world. Like I want to be engaged with the world. And I came back to London. Actually, this is when I started working in the drug and alcohol field. And like to me, that was a really massive turning point in my life because that was the beginnings of developing a different relationship to myself and kind of connecting to my spirit in a way which wasn't about Buddhism or stuff that was outside, it was about what was inside. And I remember wanting then to feel my emotions rather than just to be this kind of flat line my whole life. And that was that was the revelation. I remember like whether it was just feeling really pissed off or angry about something, whether it was feeling really happy about something like I was feeling and I was really happy to feel. So I saw so that, sorry, the point of that whole long story was just like, it's, I think it's important to think about, I don't know, like recognizing that it's a process rather than being focused on a goal, because maybe I was too focused on like getting this, like probably un unrealistic goal. And the other reason I'm saying that is because I feel like for a lot of people in recovery, they go from um, being quite numb and disconnected from their emotions and themselves and then become spiritual and inverted commas and meditate all the time. And kind of that meditation to me, can there's a danger of it being another form of disconnection. Well, thinking, I mean, meditation is just one thing, but you know, so they can go really, really religious and go down that route where they think, you know, they have to pray to God to fix everything, you know, so there's someone that's always going to fix something or, I don't know, believing in tarot cards or, you know, star signs and taking it all so seriously because that's the thing they're going to focus on now instead of their emotions. Mm. It's another distraction. Yeah, and it's also kind of looking for validation of why you feel why you feel so if you read your star sign it says oh someone is going to betray you like that's why I feel so shit today instead of just thinking I feel a bit weird today and I don't know why and just accepting it you're always kind of looking for a reason or something to take it away I think you could be a spiritual guru Antonia yeah I'm taking my shoes and socks off right now this is so hilarious like considering how we started and you're like a version to spirituality <laughs> Really person. Like I hate it. No, I don't hate it. Yeah, I mean, I think I think there's just something about um, 
kind of already said it, but I think there's something about like some having some kind of practice. And you know, I, 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 I think it could be could be some kind of meditation or yoga, but I feel like it, those two things get like lumped together again. Like to be spiritual, I need to do this. And actually, like someone's spirituality or someone's practice might be pottery. Do you know what I mean? Or like, you know, Beck's doing sewing or something like that. I think it's just, again, like find the thing that really like touches your soul and nourishes your soul and kind of recharges you, you know, it's just like, um, which again is like, it's a process of discovery. It's like, you need to find out what that is for you because it might not be that for someone else. It could be karate or boxing or something like that, or like fencing. Yeah doesn't have to be all peaceful and zen and lighting incense and you know buying beads it could be anything you want yeah as long as it feels good for you and it's like comfortable yeah and i think it's an ongoing process of um being open to like i don't know uh different things touching your soul at different times do you know what i mean like it might be but I don't know, I'm doing yoga now, but it might, you know, I'm probably not going to do that for the rest of my, well, I like to think I will do it the rest of my life, but it could be something else, you know, like I might pick up, I'm trying to think of something really obscure, hmm. mushrooms. <laughs> You're already a tiny bit obsessed with mushrooms, though. <laughs> <laughs> Am I? You're, but... <laughs> you were saying how you were obsessed with mushrooms before. Like you were really interested in mushrooms. They're beautiful. They're, yeah, they do fascinate me. So bringing this back to recovery and also knowing that our next podcast episode is exploring um, AA, Alcoholics Anonymous, and NA, Narcotics Anonymous, and the philosophy that underlies those things, the 12-step philosophy. So one of the things that I think... Um, we see quite a lot is that people go into recovery and they have like cognitive behavioral therapy or they try, I don't know, um, different models. And I think one of the things that people get from the 12 step model is this, this kind of spirituality framework, you know, there's these 12 steps that people follow and there are these practices like the serenity prayer that are kind of daily practices as a reminder to, you know, remind people of what is it like to let go of the things that they can't control and things that we can control yeah. to so, have. the things i cannot change and the coach to change the things i can <laughs> <laughs> thanks guruji uh, <laughs> um so yeah and um and 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 yeah so anyway so i think i think in a way it's like a good time to end this There'll be some more talk of of how um, I don't know. I think within twelve step, it's people get their spirituality needs met through that particular framework that quite often doesn't exist in other places, and we'll be exploring that in more detail in the next episode. Now, thank you. Her beads away. <laughs> Take a walk in the park. Antonio's throwing her shoes out the window. <laughs> don't need them anymore um, and we'll see you next time bye bye, bye.